Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. This is episode 42 of the podcast all about Photoshop. This week, I chat with UK-based designer and author Dave Clayton about design and Photoshop. It's always a pleasure to sit down with Dave Clayton. He's been a friend of mine for many years, and he has some great ideas when it comes to how graphic design can be used by photographers. For a bit more information about Dave, I'll tell you he is, uh, again, a UK-based graphic designer, creative specialist, over 30 years of design and marketing experience, Loves working with InDesign, Photoshop, and Illustrator. He's also a Kelby One and Photoshop World Instructor, writes for Photoshop User Magazine, co-hosts a podcast called He Shoots, He Draws with Glenn Dewis, and recently is a book author with a book on InDesign. Here's my chat with Dave. I'm here with my good friend, Dave Clayton, all the way from the United Kingdom, joining me on the podcast. Welcome, Dave. Thank you very much, Dave. There's two DCs in the I house. I was actually just thinking about that the other day. I was going through some photos and I found a, a photo from the year that Photoshop World was in Washington, D.C. And it was you and I and Dave Curden. So it was like three DCs in D.C. It was like, when does that ever happen? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Probably Can't was a much more amazing DC. to us than anyone else. But <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone was looking at like, yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to, many reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is that the the natural thing with Photoshop is people kind of think about, well, Photoshop and photography. So like editing photos and things like that. But there's a whole nother side, of course, which is the design side. And I know that many of the listeners are probably more photographers. So what give us an idea of some of the things that you see or you talk to people or photographers ask for when it comes to what is something as a photographer you would want to do from that has sort of more of a design feel in Photoshop? I think when I first started learning, uh, f when I first started learning, learning Photoshop, the, the, uh, the whole thing of photography never even came into my head. I never even saw it as a photography tool. So I naturally was looking at, you know, back in the day, you create everything in Photoshop, but it's actually a really powerful design tool. So, you know, I still use things like the blend modes in design, even though, you know, they can be used in photography as well. But it was more, you know, the type and uh, being able to use images, because that's something I say to a lot of photographers when I talk to them, is, you know, what we do goes hand in hand, because you're going off and shooting all these images. Well, where do you think they end up? And I'm designing all this stuff. Where do you think I get my images from? So I have to learn a little bit of retouching because sometimes you do get the odd image off Adobe stock or someone sends you that you still want to do some manipulation on. But from a design point, I mean, I've been writing for Kelby One magazine. This is my third year now, um, Photoshop for designers. And each week is sort of quite interesting trying to think of a way that I can teach something design related that a photographer can use because you know photographers still like to make their own stuff and even if they don't use InDesign they don't use Illustrator you can do hell of a lot in Photoshop I mean it's, it's the Swiss army knife of the creative cloud <laughs> right well and of course the other side of it is that as a photographer I would think most people don't want to just 
take their photos, but they also want to maybe promote themselves or, you know, if they're, if they're in business or even just as an individual. So there's the whole social media side of like preparing graphics so that they are a photo so they look good on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Yeah. And the addition of artboards, I think, was the best design thing that Photoshop added in the last couple of years because, you know, back when we used to create things, it would be, you know, file new document pick the size you want design what you're going to design and then maybe it was a facebook header and then when you want to do a twitter find you do file new create a new one now what i do with the addition of artboards if no one's ever used them i suggest you go onto dave's channels because i'm sure dave's covered it but you can go in and set multiple artboards out in one document so and they don't all have to be the same size so you can you can do maybe all your facebook uh graphics all in one document you can do your twitter graphics or you can do business cards and maybe uh, a flyer all in the same document and the beauty of that is you can then transfer assets across the artboards while you're in the same document and you can view them all Um, and even for a photographer i mean one of the tips i like is i know there's a tip that you've talked before about where you can get two tabs open with the same image so one you can zoom in on and one you leave normal size so you can see how the edit's working. But what I like about the artboard method in Photoshop is, let's say just recently I've been designing stuff for Glynn's project for the 3945 portraits. So what I did was I set up three artboards and I did the same graphic, the same text, header, social media type and everything. And then we laid three different images in so we could look at them side by side and then see how the text placement would go maybe around one face to another, whether we should change the colour. And it's it's a brilliant tool. I love it. It's one of my favourite things they've added to Photoshop in the, in the last couple of years, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Now, on top of that, I guess you could add in libraries because I think a lot of people, especially if you if you tend to focus, again, mostly on photography, you may not really even see the benefit of a library. But talk to us a little bit about where you see libraries, this Creative Cloud libraries fitting in. Uh, libraries I live and die (laughs) by my libraries because I'm using Photoshop InDesign and Illustrator pretty much most days or you know very very often if you use the CC libraries what I love with that is I can either break it down into client or project and I can put my vector logos into there I can add color schemes I can add Uh, type i can add images anything i download from adobe stock i can put in there and uh, and i can jump in so if i'm working in maybe doing some images in photoshop um, and i can save them straight into a library i can jump straight over to indesign and start doing my layout and all the images i've just edited are there sat in the library i can pull them in i know you know everything for that project is there there are some things you can add to libraries from some of the software that you can't in others so one of my favorite things in indesign is if you pull an image into indesign there's a color dropper that if you hover over the image it will pull the five strongest colors out and then it will give you i think it's four or five variants of it so like a pastel vibrant and you can send them all into the library then if you then go back into photoshop all those colors are there 
so you can save them and go from job to job and keep the colors exactly the same so if you don't use cc libraries i highly recommend it because you can i, th I think it's unlimited now or there's something like you can have a thousand folders and a thousand things in each folder like more than more than you'll ever need right. but sure but get a hierarchy going as if you would treat it as if it's on your computer and and then you know name the projects it's just a little drop down Go at the top, drop down, find the project you need. When it opens up, you've got all the assets in there. It, it's it's not until you start using something daily, you have that moment where you think, how did I work without this? But now I've got it. <laughs> I use it every day. And and one of my favorite, favorite things I've been complaining about, and I think I've spoken to you about it, was um, I love smart objects. They're, they're one of the greatest strong you know best most powerful things in photoshop what i don't like about smart objects is never being able to right click and unpack it in the same document because if i do something pack it up into a smart object send it to you you might not want that thing as a smart object you might want to do more to it so generally you used to double click it it opened up you copied everything you dragged it back in now you can just right click and unpack it and send it back to layers which i think they just introduced last year at max mm -hmm. and it was uh, such a simple thing but it does just shave a few seconds off and it just makes you work that little bit more efficiently so can i can i tell you what i love that but can tell you what my next on the list thing for smart objects would be Go is on. right right now so let's say you've you know combined three or four layers into a smart object you double click to edit the contents and it opens a separate window but now you're not editing in context because you're not seeing it in the original document yeah. so to have some means where you could kind of onion skin or something I don't know how they do it, but that's their problem. <laughs> I just want it. I don't care how, they, but some way that you're being able to almost like a group, I guess, in a sense where you kind of see the inner content of the smart object, but still in the context of the document that it's in. And I honestly think that's one of the things that keeps people from using smart objects is when I, every time I demonstrate, I'm like, now I'm just going to edit the contents in a separate window, hit save. And when I come back, it's updated. And they're like, uh, okay. But yeah, it's like, drum roll. How do I, I wonder what it's going to look like. How do I like? know if it's the right size or something? Because I'm not, you know, so that's the one part. And I, I have to believe that that's something that it's probably way more complicated than my non-programming brain thinks it is, or else they would have tried to do something by now. But let's get back to libraries for a second, because the other part, I think, I talk, was talking to some photographers just this past weekend. I was teaching a little group in Texas, and I started talking about libraries. And one of the guys kind of said, well, that's just like for me to put my logo in, right? And I was like, well, that's one thing, but you could also put, as you said, color schemes and swatches and a, a brush use all the time. And oh, if you have created like a look with several adjustment layers, you could put that in there. And he was like, oh, I never thought about that. So he was only thinking it from a design standpoint and not from a Photoshop standpoint, where you can also put other things you use like colors and patterns and brushes and layer styles and character styles and all those other things and also if you're traveling like you we both do is if we have to travel and maybe we go somewhere and we haven't got our computer with us 
we can log into the creative cloud on another computer and th- and there's our stuff in our libraries so we, we're not carrying around hard disks full of you know images on one and logos on another and going for airport security and you know you just log in it's there it's saved and it's just those simple things and like yeah for a photographer just keep images in there i mean you know put your landscape images or your headshots and break it down by client or customer and then if you're making things with those images they're all there they're they're so versatile that's the thing with photoshop is the the versatility i find is just that you know if i had nothing else i can still make everything i need to make in photoshop now the other thing that i wanted to to sort of along the same lines talk to you a little bit about because it occurred to me that that the other sort of way that photography and design goes hand in hand is that a good photographer has a creative eye. Like they don't just snap a photograph. They're looking at the scene and kind of thinking from a compositional standpoint, what looks good. And I I have to assume that if you spend some time looking at good design, it can't do anything except enhance your photography. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've been harping on about this just recently because there's um, a talk that I'm working on that may become a class, which is it's called shoot like a designer. And and what it is, is that whole thing of, look, we're both looking at something that's uh, got color and composition and shape and we know what we like. But it's when you're when you are shooting is think like a designer you know think about when you are sh- so an example i give is like i'm looking at you in your office you've got a white brick wall behind you now if i was just doing a headshot of you dave the podcaster i'd crop in you have a nice little headshot of you maybe talking naturally but as a designer if i'm going to put you in a magazine spread and i'm going to have some text or some big headline i want the brick wall to the left of you I want the brick wall to the right of you. I want the brick wall above you. I want you looking left, right, smiling, looking. You know, I want all those options. And so I design with photography in mind because I'm thinking, well, what kind of image do I need to get my message across? And from a photographer's point of view, you should be thinking, where's your image going to go? So look at magazine layouts. Look how the photographer composed a scene where I saw a great one the other day. I think it was when we interviewed Drew Gurian and he'd shot this guy sat at his desk by a window and he, I think he was typing and he had natural light on his face. But Drew left enough behind the guy for the editor, for the copywriter to add text so that the whole image was used as the spread in the magazine. So I think something you can do as a photographer and also for any designers listening is when you look at photographs or any photography think about how you could what you could make with that image and if you're a photographer think about how you could sell more photographs if you were given the designer more options to do something with it so that's that's a thing i'm trying to work on at the moment is to is to join those two things together because we we work in the same world as i say to a lot of photographers when they sort of ask well what do you do and i just respond with well everything around you that you can pick up and read and everything you can see on a wall it is all graphic design it's it's all you know even the clothes you wear when you go in a shop and you pick one thing over another it's because you have a color preference or a style preference and 
these are the things in our head that we're designers with our thinking. But if you actually look at the things around you, your favourite colour or things you surround yourself surround yourself with, that's your style. You know, it might be retro, it might be modern. It, it, that That's what pleases your eye. So that's the stuff you kind of notice more. And, and I would just in, say to people, you know, embrace that and just try and think a little bit like, 20% more than you do on what you're doing. That makes really good sense. And in fact, when you were saying that, one of the things that sort of popped into my head is earlier today, I was looking through Adobe Stock, trying to find an image. And I couldn't because I was looking for something. I had something very specific in mind. But along the way, I kept thinking, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's a neat idea. Oh, I love the way that they have all that space on the right-hand side. So if you're ever looking for inspiration, a place like Adobe Stock is not a bad place to look because you just do some random search. I think I had done, I'm trying to think what it was, like product shot or something, which of course brought up everything under the sun. But some of them were blank shampoo bottle in the middle of the frame, but then other ones were on the far left-hand side with all this negative space, again, as you said, for like copy and things like that. So I think Adobe Stock, even looking at photographs, is a great way to get that thought process going of thinking like a designer. Yeah, and photographers should be building their own stock because if they are going out shooting in lots of, you know, a wild variety of places, there's lots of opportunity to just grab some stock images while they're there. Because the more they look at what Adobe Stock's selling, you'll kind of get a feeling for what, what's popular and what people buy. And, you know, looking on book covers and magazines to see the, the style that the magazines seem to go for. If you start to build up your own stock, even if you can use it for compositing, to, to make something slightly better but just build your own stock library you know stop and get those textures and those backgrounds and give yourself that if you are next time you do a headshot if you're hired to do a headshot just stay that extra 10 or 20 minutes and ask the guy or lady to look left and right and give the negative space because if you there's like that whole science thing if you're looking at an article the face generally looks at the text because it helps draw you to the text so so get those images look to the left look to the right get space above for the magazine cover um and just try and just add that little bit of that extra bit to your photography because then if when you've got that stock for yourself and somebody says oh i wish i had a picture of you know a guy sitting on a park bench but i, I want to do a big headline beside it there you go there's your shot yeah it's one of the things that i've always felt when i when i do look through stock and i gotta say adobe stock is pretty good at this where often you'll find one image and you're like oh that's pretty close and then you look down below and there's a little button that's like more from this series and yes. hopefully when you look at those you'll go ah that's the one because as you said suddenly it's they're positioned differently or they're looking in a different direction and and i have said for years to photographers that we're going to submit to stock, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing exactly that as submitting 10 variations of the same photo. They might not accept them all, but chances are they, they probably will select quite a few because they know people are going to want alternatives. Yep. And I use that button all the time. If I'm, I think I did an article in Photoshop user magazine and I was doing um, a clown face where I was trying to split. So I had the model, uh, the models face one side, the clown face the other side. And I was trying to find two images to pair up. And I found one of a clown and then it was just a little bit off. So I clicked on the more from this series or more from this model. Mm -hmm. 
And by looking at the, wow, this photographer had taken like another 25 versions of this. And I got, absolutely got the one on the money. Uh, and also the filters, you know, if you're looking for a, for an image on Adobe Stock, use the filters on the left-hand side because you can specify coloured backgrounds with or without people, uh, The whether it's landscape, square, portrait. There's, there's so many more things to filter it down that it will, like you say, help train your mind to find the kind of things that you need for the project that you're doing. Perfect. All right, we're going to continue this discussion with Dave Clayton in just a moment. But first... It's time for the tip of the week. This week's tip is all about smart filters. And one of the hidden features of it is the ability to change the blending. So if you've applied a smart filter, let's say you do have done a blur and the distance is 30 pixels, and then you want to see a different effect. If you go right to the far right of that smart filter, you'll see a little symbol. You double click and you can change the opacity. You can change the blend mode. So it becomes just another factor that you can edit when you're working with smart filters. It's a very powerful way to create a special effect that's completely editable. With short tutorials, in-depth multi-lesson courses, and live Q&A sessions, learningphotoshop.cc provides the Photoshop training you need to succeed. So we're back with Dave Clayton, and one of the next questions I want to ask you is, where does the role of mobile devices fit into your world? So when thinking both from a design standpoint, from someone who also teaches and writes articles that are aimed at photographers. What, if anything, do you do with mobile applications to support what you're doing? So uh, originally I wasn't a big fan of, of mobile purely because the, it was that separation of fun from what I call professional. So when those, I mean, I've probably still got on my phone. It's just a weird thing. You've probably got it. Is every Adobe app that's ever been, I've never, <laughs> I've never deleted off my phone. I like looking back. I think I finally did the <laughs> other day. Some of the very early ones. And you know, it's a kind of uh, a phrase we have over here: "suck it and see." You know, you do, you do it, and it that app, that app might be adopted. It might be taken really well, or it might become something else. I found once Adobe had kind of honed. Um, and this is just talking about the Adobe apps at the moment because there's obviously things like Procreate as well. Um, but for the Adobe apps, I think as they started to evolve, I could see where the photography ones came in. And, you know, as Scott Kelby always says, why is it you can buy an app on a phone for 59 cents that can do something that Photoshop can't do? But, <laughs> but once the app started to develop, I found as a designer, I like Capture. I think what they've done with capture now is really good. The way that you can capture a vector from a shape, you can do a pattern. I love what used to be cooler, which was the color capture where you could hold it up to something and it will pick those like five average colors. Right. And you could, you know, you could be out anywhere and quickly capture a color scheme and save it and go home and think, Oh yeah, I want to create something today based on those colors. I saw of that thing. And they're there in your, in your library. Uh, I really like comp now. Comp, Adobe Comp doesn't get a great deal of love. And in fact, I don't know if it gets any love at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but as a as a designer, what I loved about Comp was it was kind of in design on the go. So I could do a layout. So I could bring in, I could take a photograph 
and if I had an idea for something, I could, you know, grab the image, I could open up comp, I could put the image in, and there were some really cool little tools to do text boxes and headlines, and you could kind of work on something while you were out and about on an iPad or an iPhone and then get home and finish it off. Now, I, I don't see apps... I don't see apps as the I would do it all in an app. For me, it has to go back to desktop to be able to have all the functionality, but it's a great start. Procreate has probably been the game changer over the past couple of years. And I think, dare I say, I think Affinity have definitely stolen a march on some of the lower, what I'd call the lower, cheaper end, perhaps hobbyists, the guys who don't, you know, guys and girls who don't want to pay for the subscription Adobe Creative Lab, but they want some hobby options or some, you know, just kind of, I want to be able to edit a photograph, but I don't want to pay $10 a month for the privilege. So the fact that Affinity brought out Photo and Designer, uh, which is kind of the equivalent of Photoshop and, Indes- uh, and Illustrator, but whatever people say when they're going to go over there, it's not as powerful yet. But you can use them both on the iPad. So the fact that you can work while you're out and you can go and work like Photoshop on the iPad is is great. Uh, it means I can sit on my sofa watching TV and work on something on my iPad. Uh, and it's and I'm just using the basic iPad. I've not got the Pro, and it's really useful. But obviously, it's it's uh, not a complete Photoshop yet. So it's just for me, it's having fun. But I never start and finish anything on mobile it's 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 all get get me started capture an idea be able to you know play around like sandbox it but then i always come back to the desktop so i had a very interesting discussion yesterday with someone at this uh, event i was at because she was asking me what i thought about photoshop for the ipad and i said well maybe it's a generational thing because i have both an ipad and a laptop so, and I generally travel with them both. So if I'm gonna do something, why wouldn't I just use my laptop and use the full version of Photoshop as opposed to this iPad one that isn't there yet? And she said, well, I think you're right about the generational things. Just as an example, my daughter is 20 and she's going to college and she came home for the weekend and she was writing her term paper on her iPhone. Wow. And we, I kind of went, really? And she goes, yep, that's just, she doesn't have a laptop because she didn't want one. She uses her phone for everything and, and has like a little desktop computer for storing things. And but, but she literally was sitting on the couch using both thumbs to write out a term paper. And I was just like, well, A, good for her, but really? Like, <laughs> I would, I, the way I use my iPhone is like one peck finger thing to type. But that did confirm for me that, yeah, I guess it's true that, for some people of a certain age, they're going to want a full-powered desktop computer and a mobile device, like something they can move around. And for them, that's not a laptop. That's an iPad, which I suppose is the reason why Adobe is putting so much emphasis on mobile devices and developing for it. Yeah, definitely generational because... Um yeah when you see when you go out anywhere now i went to london the other day and i've sat on the train and you know everyone had their face down in their phone doing one thing or another whether it's reading a design book or you know we do so many things on our mobiles it almost seems well why don't we make all the things we do available for mobile 
but um, our eyesight's getting, getting worse. We can't see that. So, well, I mean, well, that I mean, and posture, too. When I watch people, yeah. I'm like, that's got to hurt sitting like that for long periods of time, all bent over looking at your phone. <laughs> but it is fun. I mean, I take notes and ideas, and it, it has become a tool that I use in what I do. Sure. Because, you know, it's the camera. You know, I said the other day, this, this phone we carry around, it's a $1,000 phone. Mm-hmm. For the most part, if you've got an iPhone, it's a $1,000 phone. Think about that. If I gave you $1,000 in your hand in cash, I think you'd struggle to walk to a shop and go and hand that over for a phone. But because we do it monthly and it's a contract and we don't think about it, you're thinking, well, hang on, you know, I've got a $1,000 device here. <laughs> I used to pay half that for a laptop. So... I should use my device for as many things true. as possible. Yeah, that so is true. So if you look at it kind of that way round, it's, well, I should do more things on my mobile because it's I've invested in this product and, and using it, but um, it still just feels a little bit kind of, I don't know, it never feels professional. And I know there's some, there's some great designers and great photographers that are going mobile only, but I just think at the end of the day, I like... I like lots of pixels. I want a big screen. I want to. I want to see everything I'm doing. It's like um, Adobe Max a couple of years ago. You know, Quentin Tarantino said uh, about his films. He said, "I didn't make them to be seen on an iPhone. I made them to be seen on a big screen." Right. And I think with design, it's yeah. You know, I mean, chimping on the back of your camera. You know, when you go out and take a photograph, would you only ever rely on what you could see on the back of the screen? No, you want to see that on a bigger screen you want to be able to edit on a bigger screen so while you can edit on lightroom mobile um while you're out and about i don't know i think you miss something i think the smaller it gets the more you miss i know it it, it reminds me of and this may be again sort of dating myself but at some point along the way i remember someone saying i don't know if it was a famous person or just somebody saying something like use the best tool for the job like you wouldn't use a you know a yes. hammer to for a i can't even think what what that expression is but right you know. to crack a nut why is I used that you wouldn't you can that you can hit a nail into a wall with a shoe with the back of a shoe but the hammer is the right job so it is it's like there's ways of getting there but is it the you know the the best way of getting there it's like many years ago, I worked at an Apple dealer and we hired our, uh, the first accountant that we had, which as an aside, but a strange one, his name was actually John Excel <laughs> and not spelt the same way, but it, we just thought that was hilarious. And he was like, I don't get it. And we're like, okay, you're an accountant. Um, but anyway, he would use Excel for everything, including writing letters because oh. that was the only program he knew. And we're like, John, you know, there's this thing called Word. It, it actually automatically goes to the next line. But so I look at that as saying, you mentioned, for example, Adobe Capture before. I think that's a wonderful use of a mobile app to do things like capture colors and make patterns and things that then I can then use in Photoshop. But yes. the thought of saying, well, I've got my phone with me, so let me use Lightroom Mobile on my phone. I'm like, nah. I guess maybe I just, you know, for me, it doesn't quite work. So I think the use the best tool for the job is turning into use whatever tool you have in your hand. Exactly. And make make it work. There is a part of this where there's a small percentage of talent over tool as well. So I'll pick like two, three examples out. 
four actually, four examples. Dan Mumford is an artist. He uses a Cintiq, he uses Photoshop, he uses one brush. Google Dan Mumford and look at his artwork. It's incredible. Then you've got Aaron Blaze, who, again, you know, is an amazing artist who transferred to Photoshop, what, five, six years ago from what he was doing before. He uses Cintiq. Now, he's got an incredible talent. He uses Photoshop on the Cintiq for that, but he can now work mobile. But because because of his uh, abilities, his superpowers, he can create something on a mobile device better than you or I could spend a year. And then you've got uh, people like uh, Paul Shipper, who does all the movie posters. So, you know, Avengers Endgame, uh, the recent Star Wars film, he did the posters, that, that kind of Drew Struzan look that's painterly, but actually they've been drawn. He uses Photoshop on on a Cintiq and he can work on the Cintiq uh, mobile version. And then the fourth guy who uh, you really should look him up is Kyle Lambert. Now, Kyle did all the artwork for Stranger Things. Uh, he's an English lad. He lives in L.A. He does all that on an iPad. Mm. He uses Procreate or he used to use Procreate. I don't know if he started to use uh, Photoshop on the iPad, but he draws and colours all of that out on an iPad. Then... Then he takes it into Photoshop and maybe Illustrator just to add those little final touches, like maybe some of the type or a couple of effects that aren't in Procreate. But if you Google Kyle Lambert, you know, look at his... Um, he did a famously did a, a hand... He used his finger on an iPad with Procreate and he did this uh, st- uh, image of Morgan Freeman. And when you see it, you think it's a photograph and then watch watch the time lapse of him drawing Morgan Freeman on an iPad. This guy could draw Morgan Freeman on an iPad with his finger better than I could photograph Morgan Freeman <laughs> with the most expensive camera I could get my hands on. So there's, there is a big element of your talent level, your ability is, you know, you can, you can make the most of a small device, but you've also got 20, 30 years of, a, you know, a very good god-given talent to put behind it (laughs) so with that in mind so let's say we're talking to a photographer who says i i consider myself you know a, a decently talented photographer if i wanted to start kind of inching my way into adding more kind of design thought processes where would they start what would you tell them to do uh the best place we've already spoken about is adobe stock If you want to start to have a think about how you could introduce design into your photography is go and have a look at the templates section in Adobe Stock. Now, even if you look at the InDesign templates, don't worry, because what you're looking for is style and composition. So if you're a photographer, you're starting with an image generally because that's what gives the design you know the the nicer feel to it is we we love a good image so look at some of the templates on adobe stock and look at how the image has accepted the text around it whether it's above you know to the left or to the right how the color what color schemes they've used um and what mood the image and the type give because one good example i saw i think it was steve kaplan did it in a in an article was he had a boxing poster and a ballet poster and what he'd done was he'd kind of swapped the text so the ballet poster had 
uh, bright colours and a big fat bold type above it and the boxing had an elegant script type and sort of muted colours and he was you know they don't go together so if you start to look at templates on Adobe Stock you'll see how type is used with the image to kind of get the mood of what you're doing so if it's something soft and subtle maybe you know wedding or family you're going to use nice pastel colors nice nice fonts whereas if you're doing something corporate there'll be lots of blues in there and you nice you know bright office images and then if you're doing something fun and funky or retro there's a lot more color the types more decorative and, and these are the things you'll start to see and you can make notes. And then what, what I'd recommend is, you know, go and grab one of your images and throw it up in Photoshop and think, give yourself a little project. You know, what I've been tasked with, you know, like these quiz shows, we're going to give you six ingredients. You've got to make something in an hour is set yourself a, a little just a little challenge is, you know, imagine someone said, I need a poster for you know if it's a landscape image you need a poster for a, a landscape photo competition or because there's lots of also where you live there'll be a lot of camera clubs and small organizations around you that don't have a graphic designer on hand they don't have a photographer on hand so you can hone your skills by contacting a local company it might be a day nursery or something or a garden center Take your camera down there, grab a couple of images, go back, type that in Adobe Stock, see the kind of thing that's already there, and then sit and practice with type. You're not going to break the internet. You're not going to break Photoshop. You're just going to have fun. And then start to just have a little bit of a practice. And, you know, like anything, the more you do it, the, the easier it feels. And then you start, your brain starts to store those little things that say, you know, that color doesn't go with that and this image is too brash for something that's meant to be delicate that's i still do that as a graphic designer now i still look for inspiration in what other designers are doing because occasionally you do see something you hadn't thought of because we tend to all stick to cliche stuff as well we we see those same things so we keep repeating them but sometimes it's good to experiment and see what else is out there. So I, I would say that um, anyone who's a longtime listener of this particular podcast is smiling right now because so many times I've talked about give yourself assignments and practice and no one practices <laughs> in Photoshop. They always practice other things, but you need to practice Photoshop. So they're probably smiling at the fact that you're echoing the same sentiment as give that whole idea of giving yourself a project is a lot different than just saying, I'm going to open a photograph and see what happens if you give yourself some kind of target to move towards that can make life a little easier exactly and you're pleasing yourself as well mm -hmm. so if you were doing it for a client it's different but you're pleasing yourself so you can play for a little while get up and walk away don't necessarily just have one project on the go maybe have two or three so you can kind of cleanse your palate so to speak and and go from one to the other but oh, absolutely personal projects all day long today i've been doing some video recording for work and i've been making artwork for the for the video updates and while i've been doing the artwork i've been practicing some styles in illustrator uh, to make some icons to make some badges and stickers and i was 
trying some things I hadn't done before. So I used that as a, in fact, some of them I've just sent off to Sticky Mule and got printed because that I liked them so much. <laughs> but that, that was a little self-initiated project. I thought, how could I make this look really cool? You know, and another another one Glenn and I talk about on the podcast is when you're making stuff, it's fit for purpose. You know, it's no no point making something that when it's print, you know, if you're doing a great big version on screen and it's going to be a postcard, if you can't read that text, that that black text on the grey background at <laughs> ten point, you know, so you think think about how it's going to end up as well. So try and I, I'm forever picking stuff up and keeping it in a drawer just to see how good my eyes are with it. The other thing you mentioned, which I wanted to touch on just briefly before we finish up, and you mentioned about the templates from Adobe Stock. One of the things that I think is really well hidden in Photoshop is when you go to the new dialog box, if you go far enough across the tabs at the top, there are actually templates they're from Adobe Stock, but they're right in that new dialog box. You don't have to go looking for them. They're right there. And there yeah. are ones that when you open them, they are intended for you to play with because there are layer document with placeholders and fake text and things just so you can start experimenting with the template. But you don't even have to go into Adobe Stock. They're right there inside the new dialog box. Exactly. And I'll give you I'll leave you with two little tips as well that are really cool. One I learned from Jesus Ramirez was you can create your own templates in Photoshop. So if you start to get brave and think, okay, I want to start laying out a flyer that I'm going to use often. I'm going to have the text here and I'm always going to have these little, like the social media links at the bottom, create your document. And when you save it as a .psd, just type in the letter T at the end of it. So it's PSDT. And what that will do is that will save it as a template. So the next time you open it, when you go to save it, you can't accidentally. So you know what it's like when you open something up and you do a load of changes and you accidentally click save. Right. <laughs> well, this one, because you've added the T, it won't let you. It will force you to save as something else. And the second tip, which is what I'm just writing for Photoshop User Magazine right now, is we were talking about capture. Mm-hmm. And one of the things a lot of people don't realize is capture is now in Photoshop desktop. But that's about the most hidden thing I think has ever been in Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like in a box, in a box, in a box at the back of the garage. But if you want to find it, um, it's in the it's actually in CC libraries, which is weird. You have to click on the little plus sign unless you know another way to get into it. But the way I found it, it's the little plus sign in CC libraries and, it, and it's just there and it enables you to open up a window and you can do the patterns and color and vector and it's it's good fun but it needs honing but it's there on the desktop so you don't need your mobile for it yeah it's very cool well dave thanks so much for joining before we wrap up you mentioned your podcast so let people know what that is uh, called and where they can find it okay so it's called he shoots he draws um that's because it's with glenn dewis my co-host and best mate he shoots because he's a photographer he draws is me the designer uh, it's a weekly episode and we try to have a mix of um photographers designers business we've had mr cross on and a very good interview it was too uh so yeah that's a he shoots he draws.com and on social media at he shoots he draws cool and for people who want to see more about what what you're doing what kind of stuff you're up to where can they go for that uh on social media i'm it's dave clayton so it's its dave clayton uh on everything and my biggest thing at the moment if um if you'd be so kind to check it out if you do like design 
is I've just written a book called How Do I Do That in InDesign, which is the fourth in Scott Kelby's series of How Do I Do That books. So he had Photoshop and two Lightrooms. I've just done the InDesign one. So if you are scared of InDesign, and you think, ah, I don't want to open it up. <laughs> you, you see that little ID in the in the bottom of the of the menu. The book is really to help you open it up and not be scared and just kind of walk you through some of the things I've, I've talked about today. So awesome. if, if you want to go and find me, go and find my book, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Dave. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Well, again, a big thank you to Dave for joining on the podcast. I think there were some really wonderful ideas for photographers who either want to get in design or just want some inspiration as to different ways that they can improve their photography by taking a bit more of a design slant when you're looking at things. I'd also like to thank you for listening. As always, if you haven't already done so, please leave a review. Maybe share this podcast with one or two people you know who like Photoshop. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at TalkingShop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.